Happy Wednesday, everyone, and welcome back to Unbothered with your host, Josh Morani. Glad to be back. A lot to get into as well. I'm going to be talking about Lamar Jackson, the Arizona Cardinals drama. Uh, that organization looks worse and worse by the day. I react to that. Then I get into the NBA. A lot to get into there. Joel Embiid with a noteworthy stamp on his MVP case yesterday. Lakers win the West 5-7. Uh, through seven. Warriors, Lakers, Clippers, razor-thin margins. Big Lakers-Clippers game tonight. Major postseason implications. Then I'll give you my top five teams in the NBA, followed by the Masters kicking off tomorrow. I give you my safe bets and predictions for the Masters, which I think should be a drama-filled, great weekend for the sport of golf. But let's get started with Lamar Jackson. I originally wasn't going to talk about Lamar Jackson. I figured I've talked about him enough in this situation, enough, and there's really not been a lot of movement on it, you know, for a noteworthy discussion. Uh, but then I saw a couple of things uh, yesterday on Twitter, and then the general manager uh, said today that, you know, it's not out of a realm of possibility. On the Ravens, selecting a quarterback in the first round, he says it just depends on the board uh, on if he drafts a quarterback or not, considering Lamar Jackson is possibly not going to play for the team next year. So when you have the team already thinking about a future without Lamar Jackson, it just makes it seem like Lamar Jackson is not coming back to the Ravens. From what Lamar has tweeted and said, feels like he's really moved on from the Ravens. And I think the Ravens are slowly coming to terms with that. They're fine with that as well. And they'll go out and get another quarterback, draft someone. So it looks like this is sort of real. Uh, I think Lamar has not played his cards that well. I don't think the Ravens handled the situation great either. Uh, but then... I came across something yesterday because you look at the the draft class that Lamar Jackson was in. You look at Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Sam Darnold, and Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen is out of the league, you know, for the top for the five quarterbacks for Jackson in the first round. Sam Darnold is on the San Francisco 49ers. He got a decent paycheck. He's bounced around the league. I sent his days with the Jets, had a job with the Panthers last year. Now he's got a job with the Niners, probably won't start that much, depending on the health of Trey Lance and Brock Purdy moving forward. Baker Mayfield, again, has bounced around from the Browns to the Panthers to the Rams, and now it looks like he's going to be the starting quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So you kind of have, to me, three busts there in Baker, Darnold, and Josh Rosen. Then you have the top of the class, which is Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen. Uh, a lot of people think they're comparable. Um, I don't. I think their uh, stats speak for themselves. If you talk about uh, Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen career-wise, uh, Josh Allen has thrown 138 touchdowns 
to Lamar's 101. Uh, the total touchdowns are 176 Josh Allen to 125 Lamar Jackson. Start 76 Josh Allen to 61 Lamar Jackson. Again, 15 games missed due to injury. And then playoff wins lost. Josh Allen is 4-4 four four in the playoffs. Lamar Jackson is 1-3. So, to me, Lamar Jackson is a little lesser uh, than Josh Allen. But he deserves to get a payday and deserves to start uh, over the guise of Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold. So you have that. And I saw this tweet on, you know, Lamar Jackson doesn't have an agent, and a lot of people think that's not that big of a deal. I thought it was a bigger deal than what some people made it out uh, to be, uh, considering it is nice to have somebody who represents you and take some of that heat for you. And again, I saw the tweet that Josh Allen, uh, his agent is Tom Condon. Uh, he was the agent for both Banning brothers. Uh, you know, he has a great relationship with the Bills as well. Uh, I think Tom Condon is great. You look at the career earnings, Josh Allen, $85 million to Lamar Jackson's $33 million. The last two years since eligible for a new deal. Josh Allen, $67 million. Lamar Jackson, $25 million. I don't think Lamar's ever going to make that difference up. Uh, it's sad. To me, it really shows uh, how good a, a sports agent is, a la Jerry Maguire, and really what they do uh, for you and trying to get you the best. They really try to get the best because obviously they're going to get a cut of that. But that's why they work hard. Uh, to get you those deals. So uh, Lamar Jackson not having an agent, I think, is really, really damned him. Uh, and now it's a rough situation for him. Again, out of the five quarterbacks in that draft class, he, to me, is the second best. He's a, a borderline top 10 quarterback in the NFL. So we'll see where it goes from there. Uh, but things aren't looking on the bright side for Lamar Jackson. Now let's get into the Cardinals drama. Oh, the poor, oh, the poor Cardinals. An ex-executive accused uh, the owner of the Cardinals, Michael Bidwell, uh, for gross misconduct, including cheating, discrimination, and harassment. Uh... So, you have that there. Uh, you know, we talked about Bidwell's plan to use burner phones to communicate with former GM uh, Steve Kime while he was serving a five-week suspension uh, sort of scheme there. So, you know, it doesn't look good for Michael Bidwell, and it really just shows that uh, the Cardinals are a, a very tire fire. Uh, organization, this organization, it's just bad. Uh, there was also an em- employee survey uh, saying that they were fearful of Bidwell. Uh, in the filing as well, uh, mistreatment of, you know, black employees and uh, pregnant women, uh, not good for minorities, 
again, abusive interactions, erratic behavior. Uh, this owner sounds like a sociopath. Sounds more like Black Mask uh, in, a, in a Batman villain than uh, who should be running a billion-dollar NFL organization. Uh, the league is looking into it, but again, this thing, it's a tire fire. The, the misconduct allegations, the employee survey, again, has some merit to it. Uh, if you look at you know their player grades that they had, they had one of the lowest player grades for an NFL team. I think they were bottom five in just about everything. Uh, stale protein bars that they had to pay for. I mean, uh, to me, the evidence mounts on the Cardinals not being a good organization. And then you look at the homework clause that was in the Kyler Murray contract that they backed out of and kind of just his uh, tumultuous uh, ownership there the past few years. It doesn't look good for the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, you know, the, the key thing is, is how promptly is this going to happen? How is Roger Goodell going to handle this? Uh, because I think uh, if you look at the spectrum of a uh, Stephen Ross, uh, Miami Dolphin ownership kind of tamperment, it was a fine and a first-round pick forfeited. So if they find something, Within the next few weeks, the concrete evidence may rule against Bidwell. It could, I think, could be very similar. They could forfeit their first-round pick, which would be key compared to the Dolphins because the Dolphins was like a 20-round pick it would have been this year. So it's a big deal, but the Cardinals losing the third-round pick would be monumental in a draft pick that was forfeited, a top-three pick. Uh again, because of these allegations against uh, owner Michael Bidwell. I do think they have some merit to it. I'm going to wait to see what else comes out. But, again, it doesn't look promising. Again, the Cardinals are, the, to me, the dumpster fire of the NFL. Uh, they are the laughing stock. I think they are going to be in the basement for a very long time, I think, of Aaron Rodgers. Ends up going to the Jets. Obviously, he'll make break that playoff drought. Uh, but I think it's going to be quite a while before the Cardinals are back to a playoff team. Honestly, I don't think they're that good. They're in a tough division with Kyle Shanahan for years to come. A formidable Seahawks team and Rams team. And the Cardinals are just the worst. They just are. Sorry, not sorry. I'm the Cardinals here. Now let's move on to the NBA. Last night, Joel Embiid put a stamp on his MVP case. Doc Rivers signed off on that as well. Uh, Joel Embiid scored 52 against one of the best teams in the league last night, the Boston Celtics. Uh, he had over half their points. In that win, he was 20 for 25, great shooting effort, 12 for 13 from the line, and he added in 13 rebounds as well. He was dominant, uh, I think, with that really leaving a mark on a good team. Uh, he's going to win MVP. I do think he's 
deserving of winning the MVP. I do. I'm not going to take that away uh, from uh, Joel Embiid at all. Uh, but he's not the best. Sorry, he can win MVP, but he's not the best player. You only look back to uh, like two days ago, three days ago, uh, April 2nd, when Giannis uh, went scorched earth on Joel Embiid and the uh, Sixers, you know, for 33 points and 14 rebounds, 13 for 17 shooting. Uh, Giannis was sensational. He's the best player on the planet. Not Joel Embiid, not Nikola Jokic. If I had a vote, I would give it to uh, Giannis uh, because he comes to play in those big games. Uh, defensively, uh, he was able to stop Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid, 11 for 25. That's a lot considering he was just 20 for 25 last night. Uh, then a few days prior, 11 for 25. So Giannis, to me, is the best player, remains the best player of the game. Uh, but I'll give it to Joel Embiid. It was deserving. I think he's more deserving over Jokic if you just want to make it a two-man race. But Giannis, let's be honest. Let's be honest, Giannis. He's the best player in basketball. And it's not even close. It's not remotely close. Uh, there are levels to this. Giannis is, you know, 30,000 elevation. Uh, Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic are 20,000 elevation. Uh, Giannis is a real deal. But Joel Embiid can win his MVP award. And, again, I don't have much faith in the 76ers. I think they're a solid, good team. But... I think they're going home in the second round when they play the Celtics. I don't think they can beat the Celtics in a seven-game series. They beat them the first time this year. Uh, you look at that four-game sample size, that's 3-1. Celtics only need one more to then close that series. Now let's move on to the Western Conference, in which really is a tight race. And, uh, I mean, sometimes... I surprise even myself uh, with my predictions. My my West predictions are looking pretty good right now. Uh, the first four pretty much locked, and that's how I said it would stay. It would stay the same, Denver, Memphis, Sacramento, and Phoenix. I said Golden State would get the five. As of right now, Golden State is at the five. Lakers are six. I said Lakers would be six. Uh, right now, Lakers are seven. I said Clippers will be seven. Uh, Lakers are seven. So that's swapped right now. Uh, but they play tonight in a pivotal game, so that could change. I said my eight would be Pelicans. Guess what? Eight Pelicans. My nine would be T-Wolves. Guess what? Nine T-Wolves. And my ten would be the Mavericks, but it was rather close with the Thunder. That's kind of how it is right now. Mavericks are a half game back of the Thunder for the ten spot. So let me just say the prediction on how it could go, it's working out. My prediction looks all right so far, uh, five through seven. That is the biggest swing because two of those teams are going to have a week off. They're going to be in the playoffs. And then uh, one of those teams is going to have to play in the play-in. 
where anything could happen. You looked at the Clippers, Pelicans last year, where the Pelicans uh, sent the Clippers away. Uh, Pelicans won their play-in game. Uh, so that is crucial uh, there. Uh, you have that again. The Lakers play that. Anyone could get hurt, uh, AD or uh, LeBron, and there goes really that season. But your chances, uh, Golden State goes in there, Clay and Steph have an off-shooting night. And again, it could be over for them as well. So the next two games are huge. Lakers have a game in, uh, or Lakers and Clippers both have a game in hand against the Warriors. However, that's really uh, nullified because they play each other. Uh, so it really only be one. No matter what, Clippers have the tie break because they already beat them three times this year. Uh, so that's big. So Lakers really need to win this one uh, in order to stay that game ahead. And if they were to win, they would vault up to five since they own the uh, head-to-head over the Warriors this year. So it could change if Lakers win tonight. It'll be Lakers five, uh, Warriors six, Clippers seven. If the Clippers win tonight, it's Clippers five, Warriors six, Lakers seven. So the winner of this game essentially will get that five spot. Uh, loser will go two seven. So it's a big swing. I think it means more to the Lakers, uh, considering. Uh, they could probably still lose one more considering the Clippers uh, play the Suns as well as the Lakers. So you have that uh, in there as well. And then you don't have to really worry about the Warriors. So to me, the bigger moment is the Lakers. This is a huge prevent. It's a back-to-back. Uh, we'll see who plays uh, tonight. Uh, but this is a huge game. Lakers-Clippers, it's are we going to rest for starters. Again, playing on a back-to-back. Is LeBron AD going to play? It looks like D'Lo will be back this game. But are they going to rest their starters? Or are they going to prioritize not being in the plan? That's the biggest thing to me. It's, you know, LeBron said he was going to wake up, see how his foot felt. Uh, AD says he didn't know if he was going to play. He hasn't played back-to-back games in uh, such a long time. And they've really sat him out of a lot of back-to-back games. So, It'll be interesting. Again, no Paul George. Kawhi uh, will play tonight. He was questionable going in. Clippers uh, are three-point favorites right now uh, against the Lakers. They share the same court. I expect more Lakers fans to be there tonight. Uh, But these teams are really uh, just dead even. Uh, You look at their home record. They're both 21-18 and away. They're 20-20, and both of them. Uh, conference record Clippers 24 and 25, uh, Lakers 25 24. Uh, so Lakers a little better in division. Clippers 7 and 7, Lakers 5 and 9. Uh, so Clippers a little better there. So these two teams truly, truly very, uh, uh, very close since the trade deadline. I think the Lakers have been one of the best teams in the NBA. Their defense has been great uh, offensively. AD has carried a massive load uh, for this team. So, again, they need to prioritize this game. Then maybe, hey, they talk about resting their starters against the the Suns, thinking, hey, can the Suns beat the Clippers? Uh, Help us out there, uh, depending on how the Warriors do as well Friday night. So there's a lot more options 
for them if they win tonight to maybe rest their starters later down the line uh, than right now. Because if you know you're guaranteed a three-way tie, you'd get the sixth seed. Uh, so I think they can get rest later, but the priority right now is winning this game tonight. And I hope the Lakers come out with that sense of urgency that I'm preaching with right here. And it resonates with him that this is a big, big game. This is to me is essentially the pl- a playoff game and like the biggest Lakers-Clippers game of all time. They've never met in the playoffs. They've met opening night and Christmas and other matchups. But this late in the season with these sort of playoff implications on the line, uh, that is a big deal uh, right there. So we'll see what happens tonight. Uh, of course, since I'm polling for the Lakers, uh, you know, I am picking the Lakers. I'm rolling with the Lakers tonight, uh, but it's going to be it's going to be a close one. Now moving on to my top five NBA teams. Now my top five uh, NBA teams are pretty, uh, I would say pretty chalk uh, with how it's kind of matched up. I think the number five team I have, it's the Cleveland Cavaliers. Donovan Mitchell has been insane. He's almost had like the same amount of 40-point games in a season as like LeBron had in a single season. He's been terrific. Uh, he's been really special for this Cavs team. Uh, they're great at home. They're 31-9. and nine. Good offensively. Very stingy defense as well. One of the best defensive, the best defensive team in the NBA. Uh, seven wins in their past ten games. Uh, solidly on the fourth seed in the East, uh, which is crazy because if they were in the West, uh, they'd be a, a three seed right now, probably get the two seed, uh, considering how well Cleveland has played, but the East has just been a beast this year. Cleveland has been great, led by Donovan Mitchell. Number four, the Denver Nuggets. A number one team in the West, Nikola Jocic has been playing like an MVP. And finally, they are healthy. Michael Porter Jr. is healthy. He's stepping up. Jamal Murray is slowly has looked more and more like that bubble self of his. Uh, he's playing really good. Aaron Gordon uh, fits in nicely with this team. Young athletic wings. Great big man, but pick and roll again with Jamal Murray and uh, Nikola Jocic. They're healthy going into the playoffs. They're resting. Uh, we'll see if this playoff ends up differently uh, for them than in past disappointment years. But I like the Nuggets a lot more this year than I have in years past. Number three, Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, 76ers and Nuggets to me are very comparable teams. Star guard, Jamal Murray, this case, James Harden. Star big man, Jokic, in this case, uh, what's his name? Uh, Joel Embiid, uh, good uh, rotational players. And number three could be Michael Porter Jr., Number three is probably Tyrese Maxey, and then they got Tobias Harris. The Nuggets got uh, Aaron Gordon. So they're very comparable teams, except one's in the West, one's in the East. Philly, uh, the same amount of wins as the Nuggets. But the key is, I think, Embiid is going to win MVP this year. 
uh, to Jokic. So that's kind of the main difference. And to me, the East has been much more difficult. If the top in Philly has held their own two games back of Boston, uh, five back of Milwaukee, uh, if they were in the West, they would have the number one seed right now. So that would be an interesting development if they were in the West, but they're not. They're in the East. They're a very good team. That's the Philadelphia 76ers. Number two, the Boston Celtics. Yes, the Boston Celtics are number two. Uh, to me, defensively, they're not as strong as they were last year. That mental toughness with Ime Udoka, I think, has dropped just not a lot off, but has dropped a touch off uh, with their new coach, uh, Mazzula. But other than that, Boston has really been good. And I was thinking about Boston uh, yesterday as well when I was thinking about this. Is uh, They've had some like embarrassing moments when they lose to the like Knicks and the Nets and the Cavs and like a three-game losing streak, and they've lost to the Rockets as well. And it's like the Jazz, and they don't look good. And then against the good teams, uh, they show up against the Bucks. You know, they hammer them by like 50 points, 40 to 50 points. They look absolutely great. Uh, they beat the Celtic or they beat the Sixers three times this year. Uh, only losses last night, and they were still great. Jason Tatum, uh, all-NBA player. Jalen Brown, sensational. Uh, the leadership this team is really good, and I think it's poised for another deep playoff run. But number one, it's the Milwaukee Bucks. Best player on the planet, I've said, is Giannis Antetokounmpo. He is the best. They have one of the best offenses in the league this year, again, led by Giannis. He is a walking double-double. He's a walking 30 points, 12 rebounds. Uh, very, very good this year. Still integrating back in Chris Middleton, who looks more and more like himself. He should be ready for the playoffs. Drew Holiday, I think this is one of his best offensive seasons as well. Uh, Brooks Lopez uh, has almost played in every game this year. He's been a true force at center. Then you have guys coming off the bench like Portis or Grayson Allen uh, playing really, uh, really well this year. This is a good team. Uh, again, number one, Milwaukee Bucks. There you have my top five NBA teams, the Cavs, Nuggets, Sixers, Celtics, and Bucks. Now let's move on to the Masters. The first time. We really get to see uh, the live guys go against the PGA guys in what should be a great Masters week. Scotty Scheffler trying to defend his green jacket. Can he do that? Uh, who knows? Uh, I think he is a safe bet. Uh, I think he's as good as anyone is to repeat it. Uh, I also think McElroy's a safe bet. Some other things I like for this Masters is uh, Tiger Woods making the cut. Uh, this is someone who his uh, career is really springboarded uh, with the Masters. Uh, his Masters win, uh, you know, 25, 26 years ago. Uh, so Tiger Woods, I think, is a safe guy to miss the, make the cut. I think a lot of those live guys are going to miss a cut. Uh, you know, the Abraham Answers and those kind of guys, uh, the Joaquin Neumans, uh 
I don't think are going to play that well uh, in this tournament. I think you'll have a couple guys make the cut. I think Bryson DeChambeau might miss the cut as well. Patrick Reed has played this tournament well. I think he makes it. Uh, DJ, Brooks Kepka, uh, but a lot of those other guys, maybe Brooks doesn't make it considering his mental state, but he's playing better. But I think only a few guys. Uh, and then with the pairings as well, uh, they really shied away from, you know, the outspoken live guys with the PGA to create some drama. So it's been, it's pretty neutral tomorrow and Friday, but I think, you know, when the leaderboard is stacked and they go by, you know, your score going into the weekend, I think the drama really heats up on the weekend. Uh, and I think this is good. I think it's going to be great. Uh, Greg Norman is not there. Masters chairman did not invite him due to the live drama. Greg Norman called it petty. Uh, the live guys are wearing their team matching aces, whatever it's called, uh, shirts. And, you know, they, Greg Norman said it's going to be a celebration on the 18th tee with the 18 people. Uh, whoever uh, wins it from their side, I don't see it. I really do think McElroy wins it this year. Uh, since this live drama, he has played great, especially in the majors. Hasn't been able to close one. I really don't think he wants to see a, a live player hoist or get a green jacket this weekend. Uh, I think it just has the makings for Rory McIlroy to win this tournament. Sometimes the stars align like Tiger did three, four years ago, uh, and he won his fifth green jacket. Kind of the stars aligned. He was playing so well up until that point, and that was kind of his breakthrough. A really great win. I think it's going to be the same for Roy McIlroy. Uh, he's been playing so good, uh, but, so, you know, so is John Rahm, Scotty Scheffler. Uh, but I do think McIlroy, he completes the Grand Slam on Sunday, gets that elusive green jacket, and is one of the golf greats uh, right there. But it should be a great weekend. I'm looking forward to the Masters. I'm also looking forward to see how this uh, NBA playoff season uh, will unfold as well as that narrows closer each week. This has been Unbothered. I'll talk to you all later. Bye, everybody.